now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. To any RFM, it is Gardening Talkback time and it is Scotty Sharp. G'day, mate. Haven't seen you for a while. Mark, good to see you as well. Look, because uh, a lot of rain around, is that going to factor into some of our discussions today for Gardening Talkback? You know, I think you're leading the witness there, mate. But yes, we, <laughs> we might do something about the rain. I was also going to talk about the cheese tree because a lady who was just on the radio then, Sally Lucas, talked to me about that on Saturday night. Uh, lawn grub and crepe myrtles. The cheese tree. Yeah, you can't eat it though. Oh, I, th- I thought it grew in the supermarket, you know, blocks of cheese, but that's not different cheese. Different cheese. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If you go through the day and learn at least one thing, I reckon that's a tick for that day. I've learned today that there is such a thing known as a cheese tree. Yeah, look, if I'm learning from my mistakes, I'm getting a fantastic education. That's <laughs> <laughs> You're the principal, you reckon? Oh, I am. <laughs> All right, tell me about this cheese tree. Well, it's a little native, a really nice little native tree that's going to grow here very nicely Uh, in Newcastle. Um, Now, it's called a cheese tree because of the shape of the fruit, not the taste. Okay. It doesn't taste like Edam or Gouda or Pecorino (laughs) or... So what what is the taste then, if it... I, I, look, I can't vouch for that. Okay. I, I honestly don't know what it tastes mm. like. I'm um, not even sure if they're edible. So, okay. yeah. So we're not advocating necessarily. No, no. It's not like, you know, eating a nice, you know, gouda or something like that. I understand. Yes. Uh, yeah, really nice little tree. Uh, when those um, the fruit it sort of change, you get a bright red seed in there. Uh, it's a pretty quick growing tree, nice dense canopy. Now, the reason I'm decided to talk about this tree is because, uh, so Lucas, I saw her out for dinner on uh, Saturday night. And uh, she said, oh, the tree in the back of my yard's a cheese tree and it's mm. fantastic. And I said, oh, that's right. And she, I know where she lives, uh, mm. in a nice well-drained spot in Newcastle, sandy soil. So uh, fantastic. It's going to grow here in Newcastle. We've got some evidence there. It gets about eight metres tall. Uh, canopy probably spreads out, uh, you know, four to five metres. Uh, yeah, look, I said, like I said, acid neutral soil. So it will grow here in Newcastle, especially in those sandy areas mm. that she was talking about. Uh, yeah, look, just a, a great little native tree to have in your garden with an unusual shaped fruit. Might have to do a bit more research because it proves that if you go to the internet, you'll find anything. One post says here that the fruits are not edible for humans. The one underneath says if you dislike the fruit, then the young leaves are also edible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll never rely on the internet. Look, I, it's that thing, you know, don't stick anything in your mouth that you don't really know. So I remember we'd get, uh, uh, you know, you'd get... Uh, parents bringing in uh you know their little children and they'd be saying oh you know can we have this plant or that Mm. plant but my rule of thumb is well look just try and teach your kids not to you know eat Mm. plants but because some are very poisonous uh but look those usually taste bitter and horrible and aren't going to be nice to taste you know uh, so don't put them in your mouth um, yeah, just a really good rule of thumb. And that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, if you, you can't get in trouble for what you don't touch, can you? Absolutely. You know, it's, good, it's a good rule for life, too. Yeah, we've given two good rules of life here today already. <laughs> so uh, particularly for the young kiddies, don't just go around eating things on trees, unless it's an apple or something. Yeah, well, and that got people in trouble as well, I remember. How so? It said the gospel. Oh, good point. <laughs> We're learning lots today. I'm actually so glad that I get to do this particular week of gardening talk back with you, mate. You've been waiting and waiting. Waiting. And of course, waiting. if you don't know, Scotty loves cricket. I love Big Bash cricket. And he's sort of taunting all season that his uh, Sydney Thunder were going to come through. And, well, they choked. Well, they do him so very well. And then we, we were talking earlier on off-air about how the rain... 
qualifiers. Exactly. Yeah, and but your your team benefited. Well, from we won. Those the, well, we took out the title, being the best team of the year. So go the Sixers and uh, the Thunder. Well, you got you got some rebuilding to do in the office. <laughs> Imagine me now, though, if he'd gone all the way through and won. You'd come in with a thunder jumper on, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd be all go. Mate, uh, back to the gardening, though, and, of course, if you have a question, 49216216, was nice on you. Uh, give Scotty a call. Uh, we've got a line open there. And you want to talk another plant today? Yes, I thought we'd have a, a talk about crape myrtles uh, because they, well, they've been flowering a little bit you know, now uh, since January or so, but they're still out in flower. And I'd have to say, what a great plant that it can come out and, and flower like it has uh, in the dry conditions. And I think what's happened, we've had this little bit of rain and it's, it's, just, helping. it's keeping them going now, looking absolutely spectacular. Uh, look, they are a, a very, very good tree to have in the garden because they're prunable. Uh, so you can keep them well under control. Uh, look, you can keep them down to a couple of metres tall if you want to. Where I live in Carrington, God's own earth. <laughs> of course uh, <laughs> There are some crepe myrtles up the end of my street and they keep them to about two to three metres. They just prune them very heavily each year. And what's happened now is the trunk has that really sort of gnarliness to it, uh, has that really nice pattern that you get through uh, the crepe myrtle bark. So they are looking spectacular, but equally... Uh, driving over here this afternoon, uh, or this afternoon, as I think you just said before. Yeah. That was, uh, I like that. <laughs> just ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't do that. But uh, driving over here, I saw a crepe myrtle that was, uh, you know, getting quite tall. Uh, it was probably one of the larger varieties, but it was up to about six metres tall. They've just let that one go, uh, you know, a non-pruned one. And uh, it was still looking very, very nice. Uh, look, they are uh, from uh, Southeast Asia, but uh, do very well in, in here in Australia. The only uh, thing I guess they're susceptible to is powdery mildew. But a lot of the new varieties have had that largely bred out of them. And if you've just got a small plant, you can spray uh, with uh, you know fungicide, copper oxychloride or Mancozeb Plus to keep that under control. The other great thing about them is there is a variety of colours uh, that you can get. You can get uh, whites, uh, very deep pinks, uh, purples, uh, like a red rose colour. You can also get uh, carmine, pale pink. Uh, so, yeah, look, a variety of those really beautiful pastel colours to choose from and have in your garden. You seem to allude on a couple of occasions there, Scotty, that they are a plant with lots of variety. Are there many how many generally varieties of the, of this crepe myrtle are there well the the ones that we mostly see in the garden centers now are the ones that have been bred here for australian conditions and uh what, that's, what, and what are they these days <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a bit up and down isn't it but i, I think the breeding has been to try and keep yeah. those fungal problems mm. that they have under control uh look that's the indian summer range it seems to be the best you know adapted here to Australian conditions. Uh, look, there's one called, and they, you know, they name them after American native um, Indians. So, Akoma, uh, Tonto, Zuni, Sioux, Yuma, Tuscarora, Natchez. Um, so, yeah, interesting names there. Uh, Australians probably don't know too much about um, those tribes, but uh, great that the, the uh, that the crate myrtles are named after that. All right, so certainly not a bad not a bad addition to your garden. No, a plant you can certainly keep under control. Uh, over in Georgetown, they use them as street planting, and uh, very very spectacular over there. Uh, my brother had one in his backyard. Uh, it was only a small backyard, but again, he kept it down nice and small, and then he got the really nice bark on it.
So, so you mentioned you can sort of keep them under control. Do yeah. they take a lot? Are they a lot of effort to to keep? Or no, you're shaking your head. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm preempting you. They know they're they're not a lot of effort at all to uh, to look after. Um, you can so, see, I'm obviously pretty lazy. I'm going for the lazy bear <laughs> questions. These are the questions I would ask. Does it take a lot? Yeah. Like I just put it in the uh, put it in the ground and leave it. Yes. I want it to grow really quickly to a certain height, then I want nothing more to happen to it after that, and it never gets sick. <laughs> and potentially an award winner at the show. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've got some of those. I've got a whole lot of plants like that for you. <laughs> Good afternoon, Con. You've got some crickets in the grass there. What's going on, Con? Yeah, I've got crickets in the grass. I've um, sprayed for lawn grubs, and so has my next-door neighbour. We can't stop, and stop anything there, and we can hear the crickets chirping. Yep. So I can't. I don't know where to get any spray for the crickets from. Well, look. Usually, you're, uh, the one that you use for the lawn grub and the crickets are exactly the same. It should kill that lawn grub and do black beetle for you as well. Uh, my question to you, I guess, is when are you actually spraying and doing the application? Oh, I do it um, just before we get a lot of rain, sort of thing. Yeah, that, that's fine. Uh, are you doing it in the middle of the day or, you know, later on at night? No, early morning or late evening. Like, I have sprayed a couple of times. So yeah, look, you definitely have to do it. when there's rain around. Yeah, you have, definitely I think have... late evening I do it. Yeah, late evening's the best time because that's when they're coming back up to the surface to uh, start their chirping and have a bit of a feed. Um, look, the only danger with doing it when there's a bit of rain coming is sometimes it can actually be diluted uh, and it, it sort of, you know, just loses its efficiency and it won't kill the crickets as well um, because you just don't know how much rain's going to fall. Generally on the packaging, on the different chemicals that you can get, it, it actually stipulates, uh, you know, that you water it in lightly or you water it into a, you know, certain millimetreage of uh, water. So if all of a sudden you get a big downpour, that's just going to wash back down through the soil. And, mate, if you're in Hamilton uh, with sandy soil, uh, that's going to happen very, very easily. So what I would do is go back out and reapply it, uh, do it like you do in, in the evenings, but make sure that there's not going to be any rain coming, um, you know, at least for, you know, that day, um, you know, over through that night and into the next day. Uh, just so that it actually has a, a chance to work and it's not potentially, um, you know, I don't know that's exactly what's been happening, but potentially being diluted by too much rain falling. The other question is if I sort of overdose it a bit, will that affect the grass? Look, it won't affect the grass, but it generally won't have any more of an, you know, a, a better effect on the crickets. Uh, they put the instructions on there for a reason and uh, because they've worked out that is the way to, to get rid of them. Uh, so, look, overdoing it doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, that, that cocktail you're mixing up, uh, even though it's a little bit stronger, isn't going to necessarily kill the crickets, so, you know, twice as better. So just stick to the instructions. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Con. You've got to keep in mind, Scotty, like we're fellas. We don't obey instructions and directions. No, we no, do whatever no. we like. It's like my cooking. It's always just a little bit more, just a little bit more. I understand. Heading to uh, Fishing Point, and uh, Francis, uh, you're interested in some of the trees in Georgetown at the moment. I just uh, missed most of what you were talking about. It's got the tail end. Was it Crape Myrtle Scott was talking about the... Yeah, Please plan the street. Yeah, Francis, certainly. Yeah, we were talking about crepe myrtles okay. uh, out there at Fishing Point. They'll still do pretty well. Uh, where are you, though? Are you on the waterfront? No, no, up from the water. Okay, yeah, because that's about the only thing they wouldn't like is those subtly blasts you get up from the bottom of the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't like the salt air. So, yeah, you need a, a slightly protected position to, to grow them out there at Fishing Point. Okay.
Brother, thanks very much. Yeah, good luck with it. Well, they are quick growing, so if they do get some salt burn, they'll come back nice and quick for you. Good afternoon, Julie. Uh, we're talking firstly mangoes with you today. Yes, I've managed to keep the mangoes on the tree, but I've had a couple split on me. Is there anything I can do to stop it? Oh, I wonder why they're splitting on you like that. That's that's an unusual thing. Has that happened since the rain? Well, rain, sun, yep. Yeah, I think mangoes are a little bit like tomatoes like that. They like nice, consistent uh, moisture. You know, a tomato likes to be watered every, you know, couple of days rather than just a big dose of it and then you leave it alone for, you know, seven days. And I think a mango is probably a little bit like that. The other thing that might be happening, though, is you might have had some anthracnose. Is there any sort of black spots or any sort of um, stuff weeping out around where the, the, uh, the stem intersects with and joins onto the, uh, onto the fruit? There's some black marks on some of the mangoes, but it, seems, it doesn't seem soft or anything. Yeah, look, it might be then you've had some anthracnose in there, and that's a fungal disease that uh, mangoes get, and it actually forms uh, in the fruit uh, when the, the flower's on the tree, so even before the fruit forms. So you have to actually get out and spray that with a fungicide like Mancozeb Plus or Coproxychloride mm-hmm. uh, back in November or December when the flowers... flowers. Oh, you did that as well, did you? Yeah, and eco oil. Yeah, so eco oil is only going to protect against uh, any pest and insects. Yeah, uh, but did the two together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, that, that look. It sounds like it. It could have been a mixture of that anthracnose and maybe just the heat that we've had, and mm. then we've had all of a sudden this rain, and that's that could be why they're splitting. Have you actually picked one to see if they're are they ripening yet or? No, they're hard. They're still hard, and they're splitting on you, are they? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I might do some further research and, and uh, talk to you about that. They're still splitting when they're green. That's quite unusual. Yeah, well, they're really green. They're the, um, are they called RE2? Yeah. Two-kilo mangoes. I think they're like R2E2. I always think it's R2D2, but... Yeah, that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't save Princess Leia from the evil empire. <laughs> uh, so, look, I will make some investigations about why they might be Thank splitting you. when they're green. Very unusual. Most fruits will split once the, the fruit skin is soft and all that moisture's in there, so... Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to find out about that. I reckon I'm going to hazard a guess, though, and it's got to do with just the heat that we've had in the dry mm. conditions. But uh, mm. we'll, 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 we'll take, the, take, the, take some odds, we'll take some poles. We, might, some we might do yeah. that, yeah, and see how <laughs> All right, Julie, looks like, looks like uh, Scotty's going to promise he's going to promise to have an answer for you for next week, yeah, all right? Take it on notice. No worries. <laughs> can I ask you a question about Ricardia? Yes, you can. you got it in your lawn, have you? Yes. Yeah. And I've been digging and digging, but I think it's winning. It's very, very difficult to get rid of. Have you been using any herbicides at all? Um, Hubby's tried one, but all it did was kill everything. Oh, which one was that that you used? I don't know. I don't think it was Roundup. I think it was another one that he had. Yeah, okay. And it just left brown spots everywhere. Yeah, you have to be careful. See, Roundup or, you know, Glyphosate Zero, they will kill anything they touch so you really can't go and use that in the lawn there is a product uh called clean lawn which is a broad leaf herbicide it yeah. might might be worth giving that a try um spray the whole lawn all over and see how you go and, and especially give it a spray where the ricardia is uh make sure uh, that you're going to at least have a good day's, you know, sunlight, and you know, hopefully that it's going to be nice and hot because the the salts in those chemicals actually burn the leaves uh, of the 
of the uh, weed away and then it goes further down into the plant. So always important you have, you know, quite, you know, quite a few good hours of uh, sunlight to make that chemical do its work. And that one's called clean, oh. clean Lawn. So give that a try on your Ricardia. I know it is particularly difficult to get rid of, so if anyone uh, does have any tips about getting rid of Ricardia, always happy to hear them and uh, spread them out to other people. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, clean Lawn, is that with a K? Yeah, it is with a K. Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks, Thanks for a lot for that. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Julie. I've learned three things today, Scotty. Mm-hmm. That clean Lawn with a K. Yes, but yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit of marketing. I think it's I not think actually it's how you spell the no, word mark. Yeah, Scotty for marketing. There you go. Job <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, please don't. <laughs> You'll be getting all these political posts and vocals coming away. You won't be happy with me. No, not at all. Well, what I am going to say is at Talara, Libby standing by. Now, you've want some advice, Libby, on using that grey water on the lawn? Yeah, I was just wondering. Someone told me yesterday. Um, that putting grey water on the lawn actually kills the worms. And I was like, oh dear, I better stop doing that. So what is that correct? Yeah, look, what happens is that detergent's in the water, so it might not necessarily kill them, but what does happen is it drives them up to the surface and then if the other birds, the magpies, come in and they have a bit of a feast on them. Uh, look, I, I think using grey water on the lawn's fine. Uh, I just wouldn't be overusing it. I think it, you know, there's the possibility... Uh, that you know those detergents are going to start building up in the soil and do bad things over time. There are detergents. I don't know the names of them or anything, but there are detergents that uh, are free of things that uh, you can actually use for grey water. So they're more naturally based detergents. If you're going to you know double up and use your water for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're using, we're all collecting our shower water because we're like, hey, this isn't that bad. But then, yeah, someone said that, and I was like, oh dear, I don't want to kill the worms. <laughs> Yeah, look, I would think that shower water would probably be much better um, than using water from the washing machine, which has, a, you know, quite a lot of detergent uh, yeah. in there. Um, you know, your shower water, I, you know, I, I use a bit of soap every now and again. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think... Not, not I, that, I've got to say, Libby, not that you'd know today. Oh, but... I, so why did I set myself up for that, Libby? That, I'm a fool. I'm a fool. Uh, but but I, I think largely it, it's going to be far more diluted than uh, water from your washing machine. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for that. Okay, good luck with it, Libby. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, so again, I wouldn't have thought that that would have been a problem, but it, it, you know, they'll bring the grubs up, and but the birds will get a feed, but like you said, maybe not do it all a lot over time. No, because you, and you need the worms to aerate the soil. They're also eating and they're doing other stuff out the back, which feeds the, the, you know, the soil as well and makes it nice and organic. Um, so, yeah, look, look, I'd just be careful. I always think, mm. you know, just a little bit of something. Don't Do things in moderation. That was my next line, but you got there. That's a good, good, good bit of advice. Uh, looks like we've got one more call coming in. Before we get there, Scotty, you want to quickly touch on uh, lawn grubs? Yeah, that was just the one more thing we're going to talk about, lawn grubs, and not the grubs that Libby was talking about because yeah. she's talking about earthworms. We're yeah. talking about uh, lawn grubs. Uh, and uh, I know we had our caller earlier on. Um, to, um, Con from Hamilton, he was talking about them. Uh, so my uh, thing to say is, yeah, always do it later in the evening. That's when they come up to feed. Do the whole lawn as well. Just don't do the affected patches where you see it starting to brown off. Mm. Always important to do the whole lawn because they've already had a munch at the affected patch and they've gone off somewhere else now to feed. So make sure you do that. And, yes, most definitely follow the instructions that are there. All righty. Well, look, we uh, might end up running out of time. 
Oh, no. got, oh, you know, we'll give them a chance. We'll give them a chance. Have you, any other quick little tips before we, we move on? There was just one other thing, and, and I touched on it with Todd on Friday on Friday morning, uh, just about some weird and wonderful tomatoes out there, and I found uh, a really interesting one uh, available here in Australia. It's called Tomato Costaluto Genovese. So it must be from uh, Genoa. Uh, it's an organic tomato, and just the shape of it is just weird and wild and wonderful and i'm showing it to mark now he's much better at describing things oh my goodness it's, it looks a, almost like um a, the top of it looks like a pumpkin almost it, but but then it's got that sort of butterfly when you it slices does, it. And, and it go, and it actually goes down quite thin at the bottom so it's like you could put your hand around it and then mm. it, it thickens back up and it just looks absolutely spectacular so uh i mean i was talking about that on friday because there is still time to put in another tomato crop now uh, because, you know, your plants might be looking a little bit tired after the weather. If you get a tomato crop in now, you will get it to grow. You will get uh, fruiting uh, before it all starts to chill off for us in uh, May-ish. So uh, Costaluto Genovese, a really weird-looking heirloom tomato. Whether it tastes great, I think it's just going to look good in the salad and it's just going to make the salad, you know, sort of MasterChef mm-hmm. sort of quality. Uh, a great program as always and some good advice. Scotty, we are done. We'll, uh, you'll be back next Monday morning for another Gardening Talk Back. Yes, you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.